Hey guys, ECRG here, back with another episode. Today I've got a video about a live screen recording of how to tell if CRA candidates are lying. Apparently this is a more and more issue that has come up recently in the clinical research space, probably because the CRA salaries are high, very high, it's becoming very, very hard to get clinical research experience and people to make that jump to the CRA position. I know I get emails all the time, keep them coming guys. I've been helping out a lot of people one-on-one. -on -one. A lot of emails on how to get in the clinical research space, how to become a CRA, uh, because it's such a great job. I think it's probably one of the best jobs you can possibly be in all of the world. I mean, just think about it. You travel on a weekly basis, if you like travel. A lot of your expenses are paid for. You work remotely. Uh, that means the internet's paid for. You get to keep all your flight miles and things of that nature. So all your vacations are paid for. Um, you get to see it all over the country, sometimes even the world. So it's it's really awesome. And you know, I've heard some of these perks. Like one of my buddies recently got a car. Uh, you know, his company gave him a car. So that's awesome. All these different perks, huge sign-on bonus. So it's it's really a good life if you are able to travel. So I can see why people are lying about their credentials to try and get into it. But I'm here to tell you, do not lie. It's gonna come and haunt you. It's gonna come back and haunt you guys in the butt. So do not lie. There's a difference between lying and embellishing. So embellishing is saying, you know, I've got a year, you know, you really have a year of experience under your belt on your resume, but you may lie and say you have a year and a half or you have a year and a few months. Or you might say something like, uh, you know, like, yeah, I've done this task, I've done that task, but, uh, you know, I've also done some other tasks. Or you might, or I mean, I guess I'm not too specific, but you might say, if you're if you're a monitor, you might say, yeah, I worked on two studies at one time, uh, but you really only worked at one on one study at one time. Whatever it is. Something you really did, but are making it sound like you did way more. That's embellishing. But lying is you straight up saying you've done something and you haven't done it. So there's a difference between that. So let's go ahead and get into this today. This is a great article I recently found uh, on LinkedIn, actually. So it's how to tell if a CRA candidate is lying. And like I said, this is something that's going to be more and more, uh, more and more, pe people are more and more paying attention to this. I know there's a lot of people, there are even programs out there that will make up the credentials for you that I've heard about and make up your references for you. They'll teach you how to interview, things of that nature. Um, I'd be very, very cautious if you're doing that because clinical uh, clinical research associate is not an entry level job. It is not something you're just gonna, you know, kind of get through. This is something that you know it takes a couple years of experience in the industry to fully understand how to do. Uh, and even if you have that experience in the industry, you're not gonna know how to do it without being trained. But those first couple years are really building your foundation of clinical research knowledge. So. Let's go ahead and get into this, into this interview, I mean, into this article here. So, you know, you can see it here, clinicalleader.com. This was how to tell if a CRA candidate is lying. Uh, and, you know, it really is shocking to me because, look, as you can see in this part of the article, it says, when discussing applicant fraudulence with hiring managers, a very common challenge I receive from hiring managers is you should be able to tell a candidate has falsified their credentials during the interview. And, <clears throat> and they say, my typical response is, 
But how do you know if you are actually interviewing the applicant? For example, when calling a candidate for a scheduled phone interview, you will rarely be 100% sure the person you are communicating with is the original applicant, as there is no way to tell if the call has been forwarded to a friend or colleague who actually has the experience represented by the fake CRA. A robust interview process and hiring approach will include multiple qualification checkpoints beyond the initial phone interview, as a phone screen alone will not protect your organization from fraud. So I'm shocked that this isn't even happening because you guys heard what it was like for my CRA interview uh, at this point. Um, or maybe maybe I haven't released that yet, but you'll be hearing soon how that whole process went. I, I did six or seven interviews for that. There is no way a person who's lying is going to be able to navigate through six or seven interviews. Um, and that's part of the reason why they did it so long, why they made it, why they... Uh, had such an extensive process, I'm sure, is even though they may be asking a lot of the same questions, they want to make sure that the story, the narrative I was sharing is the same. They want to make sure that, you know, it would be a lot easier to determine if I was lying or not and things of that nature. So look for that in the clinical research field. Look for the interviewers just having longer interviews in general and more in-depth questions. Because, you know, from the outside looking in on this, I'm thinking, how is it possible that they can't tell if someone is lying? Like, just ask them a couple very specific questions and you should be able to tell if they're lying or not. See if they get uncomfortable. Ask them some nitty gritty. Actually, you have to be a CRA before to actually know that question, the answer to that question. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, in this article, they talk about how it looks like they're forwarding the phone to somebody i mean if you're doing enough if you're doing your due diligence process like if you're just having your phone screen recruiter screen then you may have a phone screen with the hiring manager then you have a face-to-face -face, you should be able to tell throughout that process if someone is that same person or not or really has the experience so i can't believe that someone is going from a phone screen directly to hiring them that's that's kind of crazy uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's really on you as the company, but that's not the only fail safe there because if someone is not really a CRA and doesn't know what they're doing, you're going to be able to tell once they actually get out on site. Um, they're going to be making mistakes left and right. They're not going to know what they're doing. They're going to be asking some dumb, basic questions. It should be, it should be kind of obvious. They're going to be really, really bad. I mean, cause that's, that's a job. CRA is a job where it's really hard to manage all of the logistics, the traveling, the travel schedule. Uh, so maybe you have phone calls with the sites. Maybe you have other admin tasks. It's going to be really hard for someone to manage all of that without the appropriate experience level. So I think that should be obvious, too, when they actually get on the job. Um, so, I mean, if there's a video interview, that's basically like a face-to-face you know, that's face-to-face, -face. basically you're seeing that person. So they say someone else will take the video interview on the applicant's behalf. Well, what happens when someone totally different uh, comes in for the real face-to-face -face interview? I mean, isn't that a red flag there? So, I mean, they go on to later say in the article, in other cases, the fraud was not noticed for several months because in larger companies, the interviewer is often not the new CRA's line manager. That's facts. 
Therefore, no one noticed the individual who showed up to work was not the individual who completed the video interview. Okay. They say another common trick is for a hired interviewer to complete a voiceover during the video interview. This Milli Vanilli notion sounds silly, but don't discount it. As I've heard of several instances where the video interviewer has lip synced while someone else provided answers to the interview questions. We have also experienced situations where answers to the interview questions were typed to the Candace computer via a remote tool such as TeamViewer. This can be done from anywhere in the world and is extremely difficult to catch. So I can see that happens. I mean, there's always going to be that kind of fraud where someone can be providing the answers to them. Um, I didn't even think about the, the voiceover aspect. Because if you are on a video, sometimes it's laggy if you're on a video call. So it could be difficult to pick that up, especially if someone is speaking right into the microphone or however, however they're doing it. I'm just imagining that someone else's voice is coming through and they're actually answering the questions, uh, not that person. Uh, but then, then again, have them come in for the face-to-face -face, and then you should, you should see. So, I mean, a lot of times in the remote interview, they're not asking really in, in detail questions to begin with. You know, they're asking more behavioral, they're asking more, you know, just normal, like everyday interview questions. It's in the face-to-face -face interview where they really kind of get down to the nitty gritty and they may ask you about uh, specific clinical research topics that you may, that they may talk about. Uh, and, they, and they grill you. It's not gonna. It's not for somebody who, like I said before, who, it should be easy because they're gonna be asking these questions back to back. They're gonna say, "How do you report an SAE?" Then they're gonna follow that up with, "What is a SUSAR?" Uh, they're gonna follow that up with, "You know, what is ICH GCP?" They're gonna follow that. I mean, these are just back to back to back questions that they may ask you. Um, you know, they they may say like, "How do you get in contact with the medical monitor?" They're gonna say, "You know." They're just gonna ask you questions back to back to back. And if you've never heard these questions before or haven't been prepared through experience, I just still think it's gonna be very, very hard to get by that in the interview process. But if you do, hats off to you because these, these interviews are not easy. And once again, you'll, you'll just get exposed when it's time for you to actually go on site. So yeah, sure, you can get over the phone interview, you can get over the video interview, it's even gonna be a lot harder for you to get get in the face-to-face uh, -face interview. But you're gonna get exposed when it comes to going on site. So that's why I do not recommend lying because you do not wanna get exposed because if you get exposed, then you're, the industry is very small, especially if you're a guy. There's a lot of females in the industry, a lot of women in the industry. If you're a guy, you're gonna get exposed. People are gonna know who you are. So you don't want that reputation going around the industry that you you know tried to fraudulently get a CRA job. Then a lot of recruiters and places are going to be wary of you. Just just take take my advice on that. Do not lie. Um, so yeah, he had, in this interview they have some, I mean in this article they have I don't know why I keep calling this an interview. In this article they have some some kind of advice for how to get around that. You know, ask situational based questions, guard against, you know, vague and hypothetical responses. Uh, 
Look, even even says it right here. They they've come across a few organizations that will train fake CRAs to pass interviews, and I, I've heard about these two before. Um, I've heard about those before. I mean, it's even possible to come up with fake scenarios. I mean, someone could memorize all that information. It's possible. But what's going to happen when they actually get on site is the question. Uh, so, yeah, one thing I noticed here was every single person that I interviewed with for my CRA job, my first CRA job was they took lots of notes. Every single one took lots of notes. They, all, they took notes on every single answer. And I'm sure that was for this fraud part because they all probably went back and compared notes. They compared my stories on certain things. Um, and I think this, this is a good point too. They said the interviewers should be trained to know when to be silent because that's going to force the candidate to talk more and kind of expose themselves. Are they, are they, a real, are they real, really qualified to be a CRA or are they not? Um, silence is very powerful in the interview process. That's something that I do when I'm interviewing also, is I may give some, give some uh, information. I, may, I will, may even ask a question to them. I'll just be silent and let them talk. So that's, that's very powerful too. So, I mean, from my point of view, it should be kind of obvious to tell who the, who the fakes are if you got a very robust process. And I'm sure we're gonna see this process become beefier and beefier over the next 2018, 2019, 2020, because people are becoming more aware of this lying phenomena, how people are lying to get into the CRA role, even get into the clinical research industry. So we'll see, guys. Do not lie. As always, email me, eliteclinicalgroup at gmail.com for any inquiries you may have. Go ahead and subscribe if you're listening right now. Don't wait any longer. Subscribe. Hit that bell button. Hope you enjoyed this. All right, guys. Take care.